Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. You know how I'm watching Bobo the Cat this week. Yeah. And on your street, there's like Monday, Tuesday parking where you have to move your car for uh, street sweeping. Mm-hmm. And I got back from ComplexCon super late last night and forgot that today is Monday. And so I needed to find a Tuesday spot so that I could leave mm-hmm. the car. And it might have been a 16-turn parallel park because thank God it was like two in the morning and nobody was around to witness that because I think it would have been on the news as like dumb man can't drive possibly as the headline. <laughs> I, it, it, took, it took upwards of an hour and a half for me to get into a space. And even then I was like a, a hot six inches from the curb. It was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> oh, that's a terrible feeling. And I'm so glad no one was around to like give you a hard time by watching you and then trying to help which is the worst of it oh that's especially the best. <laughs> when when like someone will stop and see that you're trying to park and then they'll just like you know give you like the hand wh- like what are you waving your hand for you're not helping me at all there's there's nothing that you're doing that's making me feel better keep walking get away from me get all the way away from me i know because they either stand in your uh behind you and so now they've like even created more chaos or they stand in your um, side mirror. But either way, you're yeah. either looking in your rear view or your side mirror and they're blocking all of your ability to do the job. And they're just like doing turn the wheel motions that are backwards and nonsense. And they're like, stop, keep going. Hold on one second. Like, bitch, I don't know you and I'm failing twice as hard now. You, ugh, That's such a Passerby parallel parking tips are the absolute fucking worst. And I will say like, I, I pride myself on my parallel parking. Like I love parallel parking. I feel like I'm really good at it. I like surprising people with being really good at it. And it's really nice when someone will see a really tight space and they don't think that I'm going to fit into it. And I'll fit into it so fast before they can even start doing the fucking hand signals. Like one of my favorite times was when I was driving this huge truck in the East Village in New York on a Friday night. Like a pickup truck or like a like a U-Haul? Like a box truck, like a U-Haul. Yeah. And it was... I don't know, like a 12 foot truck. It was a big fucking truck. And there was just this one spot on this block and I needed to fit into it. And I could tell that I could do it, but it was going to be a crazy squeeze. And these three dudes just stopped to watch me. And they just like, was like running commentary. They were like, yeah, you know, in your dreams, this whole, and I did like a two, like just reversed in and just fit right in there. And they were all like, whoa. And I was like, yeah, fucking Eat it. Eat Joke it. on it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a parallel so, parking queen. Damn right. Uh, yeah, I really, I do enjoy parallel parking and I do get really upset when people uh, try to give you unnecessary advice because even whether or not you're good at it, that person isn't helpful. No, no. not at all. What do you work as an no, air no. Cra- traffic control person? Did I happen to have <laughs> the one person on Fairfax that also guides Delta planes into the fucking tarmac? I don't think so. I don't fucking think so. I would love to, in an alternate universe, be a professional 
parking person, like a valet, I guess. I would, I think I would make a really good valet. Absolutely. You know? You're reminding me of a story. I It's secondhand because I didn't really know him at that time. But my dad always tells a story about my grandfather, Julius, who... Um, in the army, he might have been like an army truck driver or something, you know, something where like, you know, one landmine game over. So I, and then I think he drove huge semis maybe across the country for a living for quite a while. And him and his semi truck buddies would like bet each other on parallel parking their trucks. And there was like a moment where somebody bet him something like $20, which in, you know, 1774 or whenever he was born was a (laughs) ton of money. And he, and, and, and they gave him like three moves, right? A backup, a forward, and then a lineup. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And it was something like an alley. And he squeezed the back of the semi truck down the alley, alley without touching either wall on either side and then straightened it up and only needed two moves and like everyone had to pay him and that's how they would pass the time is through parallel parking bets fantastic i love it it's so many things all in one it's like spatial awareness and incredible hand-eye coordination and control and like I don't even know, like some kind of like mental fucking strength and discipline to know that like you've got this, even though it feels crazy and it seems crazy. If you know it can fit in there, like there's nothing like fitting into a space and having one inch on the each mm. bumper mm. and walking away from it and just taking a picture of it just to document for yourself, you know, which I, I, I like to do. I, I occasionally try to flex on social media about it. Invariably, some fucking asshole gets on me about like how my rims are shredded or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. Well, they so. also have an American <laughs> Eagle wearing Ray-Bans as their profile picture. So fuck all the way <laughs> off. <laughs> That's so awesome. Oh. Well, we before we talk more about Pella parking, what up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? So good. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everyone. This is a podcast about comedy. Cannabis. Culture. Cooking. Calling shit out. And... Uh, spatial awareness. And spatial awareness. Be aware of who you are. Watch your backpack. I don't need you bumping into me. Give me a break. I really appreciate your spatial awareness. I think you have an incredible sense of spatial awareness. I've always appreciated that about you. And I wondered if it came from, you know, being an athlete and playing hockey or if you're just sort of naturally attuned to bodies in motion around you or what it is. But I really dig that about you. Thank you very much. It is one of my favorite things to when I'm walking through a crowded bar or a rave or a concert or why am I describing crowded places? Um, <laughs> you know, like picture a lot of people around and you got to get somewhere. Uh, imagine that if you if you will. Yeah, my favorite thing is like the no touch strut. It's such a nice move. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it's really nice to move through a crowd with you. Like when we were at um, Outside Lands, it was great to like thread through the crowd with you, knowing that we were both like doing that dance together of like, whoop, 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 just whoop, popping whoop, through whoop, like whoop, a little jellyfish, like whoop, yeah. whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> it's nice. Without disturbing like anybody it. else's vibe. That's the key, right? Yeah. Never getting into anyone else's, you know, like energy field so that they feel some kind of weird way that, you know, that you're, because that's the thing. I mean, we really radiate energy around us. I mean, each of us has, you know, a field of depending on, you know, how you vibrate, like it could be, you know, several feet around you. And I mean, I remember learning about the amount of personal space that you need, depending on like what culture you grew up in or like what city you choose to make your home in and how, you know, someone in someone who grew up in New York might need a little less personal space than someone from Wyoming, for instance. Mm -hmm. 
but like that the sort of standard of personal space that everyone needs is that if I'm standing facing you, that I can see without looking down your feet. Feet yes. are out of my frame of vision. You're too fucking close. And I so I fucking love that. Yo, I can you know, whenever I go to some like Jewish deli or like an Israeli restaurant, I immediately know who is from Israel at that restaurant because they are like all up in your fucking privacy. They're cutting in front of you in line because their question is more important than yours, and they're like their voice is pushy just based on distance. It's not even that they're not being kind. It's just that like you know, they're used to everyone's bubble being as thin as cellophane. Yeah. Fucking close talkers. Yeah, man. <laughs> fucking that's why I never went on a on birthright. I was like, man, this place is like a little too pushy for my liking, even though <laughs> You just couldn't stand being that close to a bunch of people. I don't need to talk about it on here again because that's also not true about birthright. It's also because they brainwash you into trying to get you to um, marry Israeli and then join the army because they get you on a free trip when you're young and your mind is supple. Uh, anyway, enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I, wow. The last thing I want to say about your parallel parking skills, because um, I don't want it to go unnoticed here, is uh, your ability to do it while people watch you and you're a, you want to face that challenge. You're like, watch this, bitch. And then you go, scoop, 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 <laughs> instead of like, like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Right. Like, I think that's such a cool flex, Mary Jane. Thanks, Mike. I think part of part of the my deal is like really wanting to prove people wrong, especially about the whole fucking notion that women drivers don't know what they're doing. Like women are so spatially aware, so much more spatially aware than men so often and are fucking fantastic drivers. And they get this like weird fucking reputation for, you know, not being capable behind the wheel. So anytime I can shatter the notion that um, women aren't great at uh anything i'll smash it with a sledgehammer <laughs> fucking right well you're a very different driver than me but i will say you when i've been with you i've never you've never been pulled over you've never gotten in an accident like we've we have done nothing except get where we needed to be and so as as much as i might like not enjoy the lack of control i have sitting in the passenger seat of while somebody else drives like at the end of the day i ultimately trust you even though we are different when it comes to how we act behind the wheel thank you very much i have just knocked on my head to touch wood for the you know not getting pulled over situation that does come from years of driving with contraband and just wanting to make sure that i was always doing everything that I possibly could to be as safe as possible to just never, you know, catch anyone's attention. And that's where that comes from. You are a true 10 and 2. Like, there is nobody I know besides you who is, like, a real true 10 and 2 when it comes to driving. Even, I I didn't want to make fun of you, but I'm going to make fun of you on here because now a bunch of people (laughs) are listening. Uh, When you 10 and 2, but when when you move from one lane into the, like, left turning lane, you take your 10 in two hands and you drive it almost like a video game into the left lane where the car, I can't, I don't even know how to describe it. It's not a smooth, even motion into the left turn lane. It's almost like the car makes a 45 degree angle and then it goes and then it turns back onto itself on another 45 degree angle to straighten up. Like it's, it's, um, it's more geometrically drive. You drive more geometrically than other people I know. Sure. Yeah. I'm definitely always indicating when I'm about to like move over to that left lane, everyone knows that I'm going to do it. And then I do it in a way where yeah, I, I'm not like drifting over the line in some weird willy nilly way because, you know, 
I don't want to cause anyone uh, any, you know, I just, yeah, want to make everyone's day great by being a really good driver. Damn right. And also, please don't pull me over because I have drugs in the car. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's real talk. You know, and I always yeah. like drive. I, I learned uh, from a colleague years ago to um, only ever drive a little over the speed limit. Like the idea that you're driving like two miles under the speed limit being safer. He was like, no, 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 no. You have to go just over. And that way... Uh, the the cops kind of spot you as someone who's a competent driver because if you're going under, they're always going to assume something about you. So okay, let's play a game really quick. Um, mm-hmm. Let's say the speed over 35 miles per hour that we think is the perfect driving speed at the same time and see if we agree. Okay. Okay. You ready? Uh huh. Yeah. One, two, three, forty-one. Thirty-eight. <laughs> 38. 41 is way too many miles over the speed limit of 35. If I'm going, like, if I'm in a speed zone of 70, I'm going to do 75. But 35, you can only do three more than that. You're a 38. I feel Mm -hmm. like you get a 10 mile per hour grace period before things get sticky. You feel like it's a five. You're a, it's a fiver. Yeah, ten miles per hour over the speed limit in a in a thirty five zone is like crazy. That's a crazy. You're you're dancing with the devil there, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> do not recommend. Don't do that. Understood. I did uh. get a fuckload of tickets, especially in high school. Like I'd be like I don't know. I wasn't having sex yet. Um, like I dry humping was amazing. So I'd be late because for curfew and then I would do uh-huh. like 86 and a 60 so that I could like, um, make out with somebody because it felt amazing and was new and also try and not get grounded so I can go make out again. And I got pulled over so fucking much, man. So much. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I didn't get my driver's license until I was 27. So I skipped that whole kind of like teenage being a crazy driver part and just went straight to being responsible um, because I needed to get somewhere with, um, yeah, uh, with weed in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. I I, want to, maybe we should do a quiz on our Instagram that says like, what's the perfect speed over, um, if it's 35 miles per hour, what's your sweet spot? Because I'd be very curious to like know what the reasoning is behind that sweet spot speed as well. Absolutely. I would love to hear from people about how, yeah, and like where in the world you can do, like I was, (laughs) the one time I was pulled over and given a ticket, but then the ticket went away because I just literally handed the cop cash. It was a wild experience. was in Wyoming um, or Montana. I can't remember which, but it was one of those two big sky country states. And I had been told that there was no speed limit in that state. I think it was Wyoming. Anyway, I was doing a hundred <laughs> and, uh, and the cop pulled me over and he was like this, you know, you, you can only do, I think it was 70. And, um, but that felt like kind of normal for him. Like, I think he was just, it, he wasn't that shocked or surprised about it. And he, you know, I don't know. It, was, it didn't seem like that big a deal. So I think if you grow up in certain places. Wait, hold on. How do you, just, how do you go from, I was going a hundred, the cop pulls me over and says, you can only go 70 to being like, how, buddy, what's it going to take? What are we doing here? Like, did he ask for cash to go on your way or how did that, how did it work out? Yeah. He basically was like, you can take care of this right now if you want to. And I was like, oh, okay. What is What is that going to look like and he was like a hundred and I think it was a hundred bucks no and I gave him a hundred bucks and he didn't write me the ticket and then we just drove off into the sunset I was with my friend Nicole we were on tour for the show that we'd written across the um fringe festival circuit and we were yeah on our way we were like running late to get to Minneapolis and so I was just like 
going as fast as I could. And yeah, it was kind of a neat experience. Like I don't, I, I, I guess I didn't even really register at the time how kind of crazy that was. It just felt normal. I was like, oh yeah, you just give the police, a nice police officer some money and he'll leave you alone. Yeah. It, would that were the case for everything? Right. Although yeah. I guess that's not, not a good situation to, you know, be paying police money to go away. Yeah. But also what a, what a tale where you were. And also it's so cool that you had a hundred bucks. You were like, yeah, fucking great. Done and done. Let's go. Oh, it was everything I had. (laughs) (laughs) It was every dollar. But if you're going to be shaken down by the cops, that feels like at least a very small shakedown. So well done, Mary Jane. Cause I always imagine that, um, one time I got pulled over and I was so fucking mad because I felt like this dude was just fucking with me. Like I wasn't drunk. I wasn't stoned. I wasn't swerving. And I was going like 72 in a 65. You know what I mean? And I was like, this fucking prick. Like what mm-hmm. kind of quota nonsense is this? And so I picked my nose and I wiped it Ew. on the back of my license so that when he held my license, I was like, even if I get a ticket, your fingers are in my booger right now, you fuck face. And that felt really good. What a flex. That's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> so small. Wow. So small. Ugh. Man. That sounds, I'm sorry. I, if uh, the name of this podcast is now white male privilege when it comes to being pulled over, you're allowed to wipe boogers <laughs> on the back of your license and feel no repercussions from it. We'll be right back. Oh, man. Fucking great. You're coming to us live from Canada. I am. I'm in Newfoundland. I've been here for a week. I'm feeling a little bit um, fried because it's been a bit of an emotional roller coaster. I've been here with my mom. It's the first time that I've seen her in two years. And um, I'm like on the end, the very tail end of this. I have so many flights to get home uh, starting at five o'clock tomorrow morning. But um, yeah, here I am in St. John's. It's been it's been really interesting. It's been been a pretty interesting week. Would you mind giving me a little geography lesson? Because I'm trying to understand. I was I was talking to somebody at ComplexCon the other day who we have as a mutual friend. And they were like, where is she? And I kept saying Canada, but then I would say St. John's, but then I would also say Newfoundland, which, oh no, it's Newfoundland, Newfoundland, mm. <laughs> where are you? And how does it all, like, where are the commas in where you are? So, yeah, so Newfoundland, uh, which is Newfoundland and is often pronounced as Newfoundland or Newfoundland, but Newfoundlanders pronounce it Newfoundland, Newfoundland, understand? Um is an island off the east coast of Canada. It's the most easterly uh, place that you can go in all of North America. Um, it's, it's the closest sort of uh, land, like up just to the north is Greenland, and then across the water is the next thing is Ireland. Um, the Titanic sank pretty near here. <laughs> So it's like, you know, seals and rocks and icebergs and North Atlantic currents. And it's it's gorgeous and wild. And it's where I grew up. And the town is called St. John's. And it's on the very tip of the Avalon Peninsula on the east coast of the island. And it's fantastic. It's so beautiful. And it's really cool to be home. You know, every time I come home, I sort of marvel that I grew up here because it's so incredibly beautiful and the culture is so rich and ancient. I mean, it's been, um, you know, the first settlers were here five or 600 years ago. It's really fucking old compared Holy to the rest cow. of North America. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So well, how do you, how do you get there? Do you take a biplane that lands in a, <laughs> in a lake or something like that to get to, <laughs> I don't know. I've seen, I've seen Indiana Jones and bond like is that how how you have to get there from like toronto or something it's a it's a long haul it's just regular planes but um 
It's it's a long ass haul. I flew here from LA through Toronto and I can't even remember how long. It's like going to Australia, you know? It's a long, long, long flight. But isn't there like a musical about the, the yeah. like taking a biplane to St. John's or something like that? No. <laughs> Come from away is what you're thinking of. And that was written about the planes that were diverted during 9-11 that were um, supposed to land in New York that were um, sent to the international airport here in Newfoundland, which is actually in the middle of the island. It's called Gander. And all of these planes were forced to land in this really small town in central Newfoundland. And all of these people who were, you know, as these horrible events were unfolding, were like taken in by the locals. And the whole story became this musical called Come From Away. And it's just, yeah, it's like that's the sort of the true spirit of Newfoundlanders is that they will open their homes and their kitchens and their pantries and their liquor cupboards and everything to strangers to make them feel welcome. It's a it's a really cool place. Oh, fuck. So everyone from who was diverted because of 9-11 is was then like the planes landed and everyone had to stay overnight. And so... Like yeah, they had to stay the for days and there were doors. no hotels. There were no, you know, like Gander doesn't have an infrastructure to welcome hundreds and hundreds of stranded international travelers. So the people of Gander and the surrounding towns just opened up their homes and took these people in. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man, I would watch yeah. that musical. That sounds so interesting. I mean, it is a yeah. bummer that like the, uh, two of the things that your town is known for most is 9-11 and the Titanic sinking. But at the same time... <laughs> The people seem great. <laughs> yeah, you know, island culture. It's uh, like it's like hardships and joy. It's definitely a lot of both, for sure. Yeah. What's it like there? Uh, do you mind that I'm kind of like interrogating you on this? We just haven't talked about it yet. Is that okay? Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. Because I like, with the exception of Maddie Matheson uh, videos on YouTube, where he visited there and like caught a fish mm-hmm. and took it to a restaurant and you know, deboned it and threw it in a pan and then yelled at the camera. What's the like culture like there? Is there, is it a lot of bars and nightlife and is it like Alaska or is it people and sweetness and homes and what does it look like? Can you walk around the town or does everyone, everything close at 6 PM? No, no. So it's, yeah. Anthony Bourdain also had a really great um, episode of his show here. It's, it's, so the island is, was settled by um, fisher folk and and then the merchant class as well, like 500 years ago. And so that was predominantly um, Irish. And so it's, you know, the culture has a lot of similarities to Ireland, like very family oriented, very steeped in tradition and the church, like growing up here. I wasn't religious and my family wasn't religious, but I still went to schools that were run by the church and I was educated by nuns. There's also the aspect of like fucking incredible music and like hard drinking fucking parties that go all night and rowdy bars. And because it's a port, St. John's was like a really important harbor, uh, you know, all, all through the, you know, from the time it was founded, it's always had this tradition of sailors and fishermen coming in and like just like living it up on their shore leave, you know sex workers walk in the docks, strip clubs downtown. Like it's, it's not at all sedate. It's been uh, like a wild fucking place for a very long time. And then the fisheries were horribly mismanaged by the Canadian government, the cod fishery, which was the lifeblood of the economy here in Newfoundland. And so the fishery, the cod, actually the stocks of cod evaporated because they were overfished and it was so miserably managed by the Canadian government. 
And when the cod stocks collapsed, the Canadian government issued what was called a moratorium on fishing, meaning all of these fishing families in the outport towns all around this incredible island were told that they couldn't go fish anymore for generations and generations and generations. That's all they had done. And all of a sudden it was like, you can't do what your entire family has done forever. And the fisheries were shut down and all of these families had to relocate from these small towns out around the bay. And they were like, you know, a lot of them had to leave Newfoundland and, you know, be retrained to do other fucking ridiculous jobs like, you know, fucking data entry or construction or whatever. And it was just truly awful. And that was in the early 90s. And it was really hard on Newfoundland and the economy collapsed and very fucking depressing time. And since then, it's rebounded with um, oil, offshore drilling. Um, There are oil rigs off the coast and also tourism because it's so beautiful. And so it's kind of great to come back now because things are popping again. So there's, you know, a really like amazing, vivid nightlife scene again. And I went out for dinner the other night, um, had a late night bite with a friend. And I was like, whoa, this didn't exist when I was a kid. Like late night, really like top notch um, wine bars. And, you know, it's not just like pubs serving fish and chips and pints. It's like there's some really fantastic restaurants here. And yeah, it's just, it's wonderful. So it's experiencing a bit of a boom again, which is lovely because it really went through a slump after the the cod stocks were, um, you know, just decimated. Wow, wow! It's it's a huge bummer that oil has to be a part of like uh, a booming economy again. But at the same time, I mean, look at the rest of the fucking world, right? So uh, yeah, thank goodness, like it's survived. It's it's a this is a town about survival, isn't it? Like this is a town of like hard oh, all of Newfoundland. Yeah, it's yeah. referred to as the Rock. You know, it's like <laughs> that's that's where you live. You cling to the Rock. You live on the Rock, and you're fucking you're you're, you're tough because fucking of it. Right. Yeah, fucking mm-hmm. right, man. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. And you gave me a tour of your uh, home this morning, which I got to see, and it's like right there on the lake. So I can only imagine the winter, um, if anyone saw the new James Bond Daniel Craig movie, that opening scene where uh, the lake <laughs> is frozen solid and people are playing hockey on it and the wind is whipping up the snowflakes and a, a Christmas tree is being carried through the door. It sounds very idyllic unless you're in that James Bond movie because there's an assassin after you. It's so scary. Such a good opening scene. That movie set everything up so perfectly. I love the first half hour of that movie, but I digress. I, uh, <laughs> there, there was a thing uh, like three winters ago, I think now, Snowpocalypse uh, was, happened here in St. John's where people were snowboarding out of their second story windows and just like whizzing down hills and stuff. It was amazing. There's, so I, I remember uh, one winter when I was, I think in fourth grade, where school was canceled for an entire week. It was fantastic because of the amount of snow that you would get. So yeah, it's wintry and wonderful and the summers are glorious. It's like Hawaii here from uh, June 25th to about July 6th. Could <laughs> we please do a Waiting for Guffman revival, but have it be in St. John's and have it have the the big play at the end of it be called Snowpocalypse. And we can have like a little <laughs> Titanic scene with a cardboard cutout of the Titanic. And one of the local like people can be dressed as an iceberg and we can have snowboard. Like this feels really homey and really warm. And like people, people all know each other's names and are uh, like, you know, we'll grab a fucking pint and cheers to life. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just keep picturing waiting for Guffman. <laughs> 
I would love that. I, w- I want you to, you know, come next time I come up here, maybe I can convince you to come with me because I think, I mean, you would just find it so fantastically beautiful. There's so much here to appreciate about, you know, just how gorgeous the landscape is, but then also the food and the drinks and the music and the nightlife and the weed now. There's legal weed federally across Canada. Mm-hmm. And I went to a legal weed shop and made my first legal purchase in my hometown. And it was, I was just like, we've got to come here. Weed and Grub has got to come to Newfoundland and like do like a little tour around all of these amazing towns that I've never been to out around the Bay. And also just like hang out in St. John's for a week and eat great food and smoke great weed and have a great time. I would love to dive into all of that with you. Maybe after we do a quick mid-roll and news because we uh-huh. are at that point, and maybe then we can bookend it with a little bit about the dispensary you visited and uh, talking me into visiting with you. Yeah, I love right. it. Let's do it. Let's, Let's uh, do a little bit of news this week. The Grubla Gazette is presented by OCB Rolling Papers, the largest rolling paper brand in the world, crafted naturally since 1918. OCB offers a full line of plant-to-puff papers made with sustainable fibers farmed from within a 500-kilometer radius of their facility in France, which is powered by 100% green energy. Is is Canada kilometers as well? Yes. (laughs) Oh, no wonder you felt so comfortable with that line. Good for you. In 2020, OCB rolled out America's first ultra-thin, slow-burning bamboo rolling papers and cones. They're even burning. No tear, GMO-free, and vegan. Not all rolling papers are created equal. OCB offers a premium smoking experience that we call Harmony on High. Ask for OCB wherever you buy your papers and sample the entire line of products. Plus, visit OCBUSA.com and follow OCB on Instagram at OCB underscore USA. We love everything that OCB does and all of their fantastic products make great gifts. So if you are shopping for stocking stuffers and things to give your loved ones who love to smoke great weed, get them some OCB. Yes, and our news story last week was about how there could be a rolling paper and cone shortage coming up shortly. So grab them now. Go to OCB and get yourself something nice before they run out. Stock up. Oh, nice. Stocking pipe. Okay. Uh, so we have some great news this week as the, from the Grubla Gazette. This is coming from the Detroit Free Press. Detroit decriminalized psychedelic mushrooms this past week. Yeah, that's so fantastic. Yeah, so I will go into a bunch of details, and then it'll sound like I don't know how to read, and then Mary Jane will save me at the end. All right, (laughs) so the city of Detroit passed a bill that will decriminalize psychedelic mushrooms and entheogenic plants. For adults. Mm-hmm. So over 61% of voters supported the measure. Uh, in a second, we'll get into what decriminalization versus legalization, like legalization means. But for now, we can say that Detroit has decriminalized psychedelic mushrooms. Uh, they're not going to be mm-hmm. for sale yet. They're not going to be things that you can grow in your home yet. But this is the first step towards all of that. So there is a state senator named Jeff Irwin, who is a Democrat out of Ann Arbor. And he has been a longtime supporter of decriminalizing entheogens and he introduced the bill to the senate and then the senate passed it fantastic yeah what Irwin said and i quote when you look at these entheogenic man we're gonna have to change that word i pass a bill just real quick an an entheogen is a chemical substance typically uh plant-based that is taken to elevate your consciousness so that could just mean any sort of plant medicine that is used as a sacrament or, you know, I mean, obviously cannabis is an entheogen. 
uh, mushrooms, uh, ayahuasca, all that kind of stuff. Just plant-based consciousness altering substances is entheogenic or entheogens. Great. So I'm going to continue to not say that word and say plant-based mind-altering substances because I can remember <laughs> six words better than I can pronounce one. Got you. So uh, Mr. Irwin said, when you look at these plant-based mind-altering substances, they're not causing problems in our communities. And by and large, they are the types of substances that have medicinal value and a long history of cultural and religious significance. They have a low propensity for abuse. And uh, for all those reasons, it makes perfect sense to stop wasting time and money arresting and prosecuting people for using them. The article then goes on to say like, what exactly it means that they're going to decriminalize psychedelics in this way. And the whole point is that you can have personal possession of them for therapeutic use if you're an adult, but they're still not legal. It just means they're the city's lowest priority when it comes to law enforcement. Like you could still be arrested. It's still a jailable offense, but Mm -hmm. not really. And that's the difference between decrim and legalization. And right now we're only at decrim, but the article says with more and more research coming online, more and more people learning about how this can benefit your mental health, um, we're headed towards legalization. This is the first step. So Detroit is following in the footsteps of some other cities that have decriminalized uh, mushrooms. Denver was the first to do it in 2019. And since then, Oregon, Rhode Island, New Jersey, D.C. and eight other U.S. cities have decriminalized entheogenic plants and fungi or fungi, depending on who you ask, in some way. So it's just really cool that more and more places are authorizing research into mushrooms as psychedelic therapy and allowing people to possess them without getting into trouble because I, I use them therapeutically. I know that you and I have so many friends who are growing them and using them for themselves and providing, providing them to other people as plant medicine. And it's, uh, it's a, really a whole new world with this level of um, access without you know, really being worried that you're going to get arrested. So good job, Detroit. Good job, Detroit. Uh, the last part of this article from De- Detroit Free Press I'd like to highlight is they talked with someone named either Salame or Salam who has been using uh, this medicine for their well-being for years. And they say, quote, I came down with an autoimmune disease that my grandfather had, and he had lost his eyesight. I started to lose my eyesight, and subsequently, a lot of doctors here in the United States couldn't help me with what I was going through. So I went to Peru and tried plant medicine, and I haven't had any of the issues that a lot of doctors say I was going to have, and that was six years ago. So... Like, what a terrifying thing to see your grandfather lose their eyesight, know that you're headed down the same path, but then realize that something like plant medicine can, like, not only help you maintain your sight, but six years later, you're still growing strong. Like, that's Mm. so fucking powerful. It really is. It's It's so interesting to read about all of these alternative therapies and natural medicines that people are paying more and more attention to and obviously trying to cash in on as well. I mean, we were just talking before we started recording about this new uh, psychedelics company that's uh, registered on the NASDAQ under the ticker drug, um, Bright Minds Biosciences, I think is the name. And, you know, obviously people are going to try and <laughs> cash in on it and make a lot of money off it, which is very fucking upsetting. But the the good part about it coming to light and so many people wanting to know more about it is that it will just become more and more available and people will be less afraid of trying it themselves. I mean, I have a friend who surprised me this week. She reached out and she was like, hey, I just tried my first microdose. It was Today was my first day. And 
I mean, it was someone who truly like, I never, ever, ever would have thought that this person would be interested in, in trying it. And she's just tried everything else as far as, um, antidepressants go. And she, you know, was willing to make it work because she had read so much about it working for other people. So the more we get the message out and the more it's available to, um, you know, like I was going to say the word experiment, not, not experiment on yourself, but you know, like just, just to, you know, see how it works for you. It's, it's responsibly gain knowledge. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I also think it's great because like, I, I I feel like a place like Detroit has been such a hack punchline when it comes to America, the same way Florida is a, is like a hack punchline about the United States. And so the idea of something like um, uh, psychedelics possibly booming the economy the same way you were talking about St. John's getting like a boom in the economy after like fishing was devastated like this could be a huge help to every single community in Detroit uh, the same way that Al Harrington is trying to do through cannabis and all of these other things too like for them to be such an active player in the legalization of drugs eventually is a mm-hmm. very exciting sign of the times. And I really hope that it just gives them a shitload of success and like economic growth. Me too. It's yeah. I, I, you know, everything that I knew about Detroit growing up was totally fucking wrong. And when I visited, I was just struck by how beautiful it is and how hard a time it's had. Like it's been so devastated economically. So it's really cool to see this uh, cannabis and uh, mushroom movement hopefully brings some money back and some healing to the communities who need it the most, you know, people who've been hit hard. Yeah. It's, Man, it's can you imagine if, like, places that are just being run rampant with meth and crack or anything like that? I don't know. I, I know this is, like, hippie glazer coming out, but the idea of, like, having access to microdoses of mushrooms in like in just like in the streets is a beautiful mm-hmm. thing that I, I hope gets embraced because I you know I, I I know I'm hippie about it but I do believe it can help change the world so I'm not ashamed of that yeah it would be really great if everyone could do mushrooms instead of math <laughs> I think that's a great hashtag mushrooms not math mushrooms not math 100 percent yes it you know it's like arguably they could both be uh their own kind of scary but uh, I don't believe that you're going to find healing through methamphetamines and mushrooms will offer you so many things. And, you know, from like a, a, a microdose that's to me like a sort of natural Xanax to a heroic dose and ego death reset and everything in between. Like it's, yeah. it's definitely, uh, yeah, something, something pretty incredible. And I think that we're watching, we're watching the change happen. So it's really neat. Well, so that kind of transitions perfectly back into the cannabis landscape where you are right now. Like, has weed helped the economy in St. John's? What does it look like? Because I also know, I think, I also know, I think, I think I know (laughs) that the um, first purchase of legal weed was made in your hometown as well. Is that right? Yeah. When the legalization happened in October of 2019, St. John's is, you know, the first city in Canada, time zone wise, it's... Newfoundland is half an hour ahead of the rest of the uh, East Coast. So when the clock struck midnight uh, on that day in October 2019 and the first legal purchase, everyone was lined up. It, it happened right here. And it was so great. So, 
you know, I think that um, my sort of like brief view, I mean, I was here to um, spend time with my mom. And so I didn't get a lot of time to like run around and, and do all of the fun things that I'd love to come back and do with you when we visit here, maybe next summer. I'm just throwing it out there right now. Well, I'm writing this. I'm writing the play. You know, I'm trying to star in something when I hop up there. Coming soon, Mike Glazer and Snowpocalypse, and it's me, and you know, I'm packing a bowl, and I'm packing some snow. I got, I got an outline in my head. It's coming. Okay, good. All right. So yeah, for Snowpocalypse, we'll want to visit, like, I mean, it snowed here the other night. So like, yeah, late October, early November next year, we're going to be here. We're going to be making things. Um, so I didn't get a lot of time to run around and see everything that I wanted to see, but I did get to go to a big legal weed store, Tweed. Um, which is a big Canadian cannabis company, has a massive, beautiful store that, um, you know, was sort of like any of those big expensive dispensaries that we see in Los Angeles that aren't necessarily the best. Um, they just have the most money. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to go and visit some smaller businesses next time I'm home and, and see what they're up to. But it was impressive in the sense that the just the square footage of the place that this occupied, it was out on um, Kenmount Road across from the Avalon Mall. And the Avalon Mall is where I grew up just like going to movies and hanging out in the food Yo, court and stuff. Fuck and it yeah. was across from that. Like it was not, it was not, you Are know, you hidden me? in some fucking industrial park. It was like across the street from the Avalon Mall. And it was massive. And when I walked in, it had just huge glass display cases full of everything that you can imagine and so much merch. I mean, it was like hoodies and sweatshirts and hats along with bowls and bongs and nails and rigs and kind of everything your heart desires. And I bought some flour and I bought a couple of beverages and I didn't stock up because I'm I'm leaving soon. So I just wanted a few things to sample, but it felt great. And the bud tender was super knowledgeable and really nice and He gave me an iPad so I could scroll through everything that they had, which is a kind of a new way of shopping. I feel like walking into a place and they'll hand you an iPad and you can just look through the menu. I love it. it. I mean, like I love a browse, but also once I browse, I want to know what you actually have in stock so that I'm not pointing at things that are not available. Right. Wait, I wanted to play a game when you were talking about it. Let's play one quick game called um, um, Mall All Stars. Okay. Okay. And in Mall (laughs) All Stars, you pick a cannabis product from tweed a store your favorite store at the mall and what you're getting in the food court at that mall so that you have a perfect stone shopping experience oh man that's so fun okay so i would the flower i bought today was called cherry jam uh it was a hybrid um it was like pretty like you know like it definitely when i opened the bag i was like oh this definitely was grown under a lot of lights in a big facility. It didn't have, you know, we're, we get very spoiled with some of the, you know, s- smaller grows that we get flour from in California, but it was impressive. Like it was tasty. It had some good notes of like fruity skunkiness and, um, you know, it was great. So I'm going to go with the cherry jam um, and I'm going to go to uh Oh, what would the I can't even remember the name of the store. It was kind of like a hot topic store in the Avalon Mall where I would go and I would just look at all of the cool like hair dyes and belly button rings and like cool studded fucking chokers. Was there, and was there a place called Gadzooks or Spencer's at your mall? I feel like it was kind of like Spencer's. Isn't that where you worked? Yeah, but I'll get into that in a second. But it's not Spencer's that you're picturing. But you're picturing somewhere that has all those like um 
yeah, shot glasses that say one tequila, two tequila, three tequila, four floor, shit like that. Yeah. Well, this this place was more like teen fashion. So it just like my 13 year old self would go and like, look at the, like, I remember this pair of pants that I desperately wanted that were black and white, like clockwork orange kind of checkerboard pattern with big back pockets and really loose, like not bell bottoms, but like super fucking baggy. And they had these like black patent leather suspenders. And then you would wear that over like a black crop top and put on like a studded choker and then like maybe rock like a fake nose ring and like put a green stripe in your hair. And I was like that Fuck, to yeah. my 13 year old self was like as good as it got. So I would I would smoke some in my cherry jam. I would go to that store. I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to look it up. And then afterwards, I would go to the food court and I would get um, I can't remember the name of whatever the Chinese restaurant in the food court was. But, you know, the sweet and sour chicken balls. <laughs> Panda Express. Do you have Panda Express there? It wasn't Panda Express. It was like a local version. And they made these chicken balls that were just like battered chicken balls. <laughs> and then they would pour this sweet and sour sauce over it that was just like this red, goopy, sweet, and then slightly tangy sauce over fried rice. Oh, you know? Fuck yeah. Oh, that with like a fucking Pepsi. Mm. The best. Fuck yeah. I love when <laughs> those sticky sauces gob up with the fried rice and you can just get one chopstick mouthful of all of it that is like bordering on like collapsing the chopstick. It's so heavy and big and gloppy. Oh. So delicious. Also, then after that, once I'd filled my belly, I would go to the sharper image and I would sit in all the massage chairs. <laughs> <laughs> If that place still exists. Oh, and I would also go to the body shop and smell all the soaps. Damn, that's a really yeah. nice mall all-star day. <laughs> I want to hear yours. My mall all-star day. Uh, I'm going to have to do it from St. Louis because I worked in the Chesterfield Mall in St. Louis for so long as a high schooler. Um, I think I would want to buy... Can I do? Uh, can I do a weed from now or do I have to do a weed from then because if it's then no. i just got to shout out my dude andrew who sold me kind bud for 70 and eighth and i don't know if it was good or not but that's what i had at the time wow you're paying top dollar for that eighth well i yes <laughs> <laughs> i think he was taking you for a ride man well <laughs> yeah a lot of money. Well, it was also in his red mustang so yeah he sure was and i think i did help pay for it um <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, for me, I think like I, I'm trying to decide because when you say cherry jam, I was like, ooh, what is she going to smoke that out of? Because it sounds beautiful. Like you can smoke on the walk over to the mall from the dispensary. So buying flour sounds like a perfect move. So I would like to do that too. Um, ooh, this is going to get nostalgic. I would want to buy some lemon sour diesel and put it in my old glass pipe that would always change colors the more you smoke out of it because I love how it would change colors and then I would get the resin out and clean it with alcohol and then we'd go back to normal. Man, I loved that pipe. So I would smoke some lemon sour diesel from the dispensary on my way to the mall and once I get in there, I would not go to Spencer's Gifts because they fired me for stealing an eye patch so that I could trade it for slippers and I stole a black light and I stole tongue rings. I stole a lot from Spencer's. Yeah, they should have fired me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely made the right choice in firing you. Because <laughs> we would always just like fill the trash bag with product. And then another 
um, shop would fill their trash bag with product and then we would just hand each other each other's trash bags and then put those trash bags in our trunks and that's how we would Ugh. like do it is like you'd be like I'll take out the trash and then I would just take a bunch of shit from the store and put it in the bag and hand it to someone in the alley anyway I would go to Gadzooks because if if you know what that clothing store is then you know like that's all the cool rave clothing where like you would have straps on the pants and the pants would connect to the shirt and then you would have like leather wings that would look really rad and elasticy and stretchy and I never owned them but I I just never had the confidence to pull them off but I went in there every day wishing that I had the confidence to pull them off so maybe if I'm stoned I would have actually gotten into the fitting room and tried on something bright yellow with black straps on it and the next thing you know you've got a pair of led light up poi and you're just you know like grooving in the food court i'm like yeah you are i'll never forget one time (laughs) yeah like i'm just like dancing with glow sticks in the middle of food court (laughs) (laughs) i'll never forget one time i went to a rave in st louis and um Somebody and I loved glow sticks. I just loved the whole scene. Everything about it made me feel at home. But I, I was, uh, I because I bite my nails. I had such a mouth fixation. And one time I bit through a glow stick in my mouth, and the glow stick shit got all over and burned the shit out of all of my mouth. Terrible idea. Ooh. Don't recommend it. That shit is toxic. I'm slipping yeah. under. Yeah. You just made me think of a party that I went to where we broke open a bunch of glow sticks and smeared them all over ourselves and all over the walls of the house. I wonder whose house that was. I think we were like 14, so it would have been someone's parents' house. Whoa. Yeah. Yikes. Sorry, whoever that was. Uh, man. Okay. <laughs> man, so- kids are the worst. Like, stealing shit from stores and smearing glow sticks all over your nice wallpaper. Like, don't trust a teenager. They're terrible. <laughs> Don't trust them. <laughs> uh, come on, fellow teens. <laughs> okay, okay so, food court. So lemon sour diesel, Gadzooks. Uh-huh. Oh, and food court. I mean, it's got to be Panda Express with a side slice of Sabaro pizza. Like, I think I'm going got for to. two because I love that orange chicken and you've got me hooked on that gloppy rice. But at the same time, a huge slice of pepperoni Sabaro is like untouchable. Don't blot it with a napkin. Just eat full grease on top of it. And uh, just the most satisfying bite in the land. So, so good. So good. And with a Coke. Yeah, with a huge fucking Coca-Cola. And then you walk around feeling really cool because you walk around the mall sipping your soda and like looking at girls the rest of the time. That's the shit. That's the shit. Hell yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, you know what my extra... My extra twist would be the same way that you went to the massage chair palace. My extra twist would be to go smell all of the colognes and rub all of them on my neck and wrists and like do like a suicide cologne where I just try all the flavors on my body at once. Dope. I've never thought of that. I like that idea. A suicide cologne. I think that's a fine one to take into the club. (laughs) I could just imagine you... When you were 14. I mean, I've seen pictures of you, so I know that, like, my high school self would have definitely been checking your high school self out as, like, that sort of, like, interesting hockey guy, loner who also just gets along with everyone but seems to, like, do well by himself, like, you know. Wearing a puka shell necklace with a tongue ring, blue hair. Yeah. Yeah. And, but somehow works at Express for Men folding t-shirts for... (laughs) Like guys to go out clubbing in and, yeah, you know, all the black pants and bright shirts because they all read the art of the, not the art of the deal. What's the hitting on girls? Oh, the one? game? The game, oh, yeah. Oh, the pickup. 
or the what is it the pickup uh yeah I know the pickup one yeah like yeah yeah i worked at the store where you could tell everyone who walked in there had just read that book and was looking for something bright pink <laughs> while they were practicing magic tricks like jesus christ i think i would have sidled up to you to see if you wanted to hang out <laughs> right on this is a fun game let's put this one on our instagram story too what's your mall all-star lead strain store and food court that's tight this has been yeah. loose as hell yeah so it was Pretty fucking great hanging out in my hometown, buying some legal weed, enjoying all of the things that St. John's has to offer. I'm really excited to come back and bring you and I don't know, maybe like a, I kind of want to like come back with a group of friends and, you know, get a house for a week and, you know, go out whale watching and take everyone out to Cape Spear, which is the most easterly point in all of North America where the wind can blow you off a rock and you know, eat some salt cod and... Oh my gosh. Yeah, we didn't even get to the grocery store that used to be an ice hockey concert arena in your town. Like there's so much more. So yes, I would love to go up there with you to experience a... Um, a grocery store full of seal meat in the aisles firsthand. That sounds amazing. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I went to a Bid Goods convenience store out in a place called the Goulds and they had bottled seal meat and bottled moose meat. And uh, I was like, yeah, that's that's what it's like here. There's, you know, that's definitely not available in like major grocery stores, but, you know, there are smaller convenience stores that definitely offer like local fare. And it's it's pretty, pretty wild to see. So Let's do it. Let's do it. Will you send me will you send me the um picture of that grocery store so I can put it on our Instagram too? I just was so blown away by the jumbotron hanging yeah. in the grocery store. That's like such a <laughs> trip, man. That's so crazy. I'm so glad they cuffed it. It it's so perfect. It's just like, yeah, hanging over the aisle with all the chips in it. It's great. <laughs> um I will send it to you. And I've got to go. I have to like go to bed so I can get up super early and then take 18 planes to get back into the United States. So Heck yeah. Which, by the way, I will say we have some amazing guests coming up once you are back in town, which I am super stoked for. We're ending this year mad strong. So yes, let's get to Buzz of the Week and get you back here. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been a really fun loose moose. And thank you for bearing with me as I was out of town and out of the country for a minute um, because, you know, it's always good to just to see your face and do a moose, but I'm excited to be back in LA and doing this in real life soon, soon. Do you want to go first or second for Buzz of the Week? I will go first. Okay. My Buzz of the Week is our friend Ben Berkowitz. He's at uh, Real Ben Tina on Instagram. He is such a true and dear friend. I've known him for a few years now. I met him when I moved to LA and he kind of like took me in and gave me a place to live and he just feels like family, and he saw that I was in Newfoundland hanging with my mom, and I had posted a picture on my Instagram of myself in third grade with this like really funny little haircut, and he, he sent me a screenshot of HR Puffin stuff with this kid with the same haircut, and he was like, you were so good in that show, and it just made me laugh so hard, and it was so sweet, and I just you know love anyone who can make me laugh like that. And also, he's like running a mad successful dog walking business. If you live in Los Angeles and you need someone awesome to take care of your dog and or cat, which Ben has done through his business for both my dog and cat for a long time, you can follow him at We Love Dogs uh, as well. But he's uh, just a great friend. Ben at Real Bentina. That's such a good butt of the week. My butt of the week this week is Beth Alexandrov at Beth, Alex, and Roth, R-O-F-F. Um, I met her, she was one of the first people I met in L.A. when I got an internship at UCB Theater. And uh, her and I were in the exact same night. 
And I want to shout out her new Substack that she just started writing. She's a really good writer, and she's a very, very talented actor. I'll read a couple of titles for her um, Substack so that everyone can get an idea. Being Lasso Nice, because she's like talking about how being the type of nice that Ted Lasso is, or worrying my way through Survivor, or my teeth love. She's just amazing, and she just started this Substack, which I will put in the show notes. So give at Beth Alexandrov a follow. Give her Substack a read and shout out to her for, you know, creating, creating, creating. Fantastic. Well, this has been great, Mary Jane. Thank you for doing another hot, hot, loose, loose, moose, moose with me from one of the coldest, windiest places that I've ever heard of. It has been an absolute delight to hang out with you uh, for this moose. And um, I can't wait to see you. When I get back to LA. Awesome. Everybody can follow us at Weed and Grub on Instagram. WG at Weed and Grub is our email. Hit us up with any questions, concerns, comments. Actually, not concerns. Keep those to yourself. Just comments, nice things. And uh, (laughs) thanks, y'all, for hanging. Talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.